0: From worlds beyond, to right at the gaming table, these are all my fantasy children!
1: Hey, Jeff! Hey!
0: Welcome all, to all my fantasy children, my name is Aaron Kitano-Sayez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. This is All My fancy Children. It's a character creation, world-building, and storytelling podcast where each week, Jeff and I test out new character voices and try to impress each other. We sure do. We sure do. All right, so what was this character's
1: name there, Sailor? <laughs> Let's see. My name is, uh, Charlie Carmichael. Charlie Carmichael? Where are you from? Friends call me Chuck. Well, I ain't got no friends, but if I had friends, they'd call me Chuck. Damn, that's a tough life. What happened? Yeah, you know, just sort of... You know, I had trouble fitting in. You know, not, uh, it's not really, it's not really them. It's more me. I, I probably, I probably got a lot of people in my life that would probably call me their friend. But like, I feel like I kind of hold myself back in order to keep my sort of myself from getting hurt. It's sort Damn. of an emotional vulnerability thing that I'm trying to work on. I gotta allow myself to open up and and feel the feelings of others. You know what I mean? You know yeah, what I'm saying? This you is a fully,
0: it? this is a fully realized. I bucket. got a lot.
1: I got. A, uh, did you you were expecting some kind of caricature here? I, I, personally, I am a little upset. I am a little offended that, that person, that, you know, I am capable, I contain multitudes. Oh, I don't know who Aaron is. because you talk into Stephen Bullbottoms?
0: <laughs> Stephen Bullbottoms makes judgmental calls about everyone he meets.
1: Well, you know, that's I feel like we both have places to go. We both have we're both growing as people. And that's real that's that's valuable. That's valuable to me. And scene. Thank you everyone scene. for coming to our improv
0: scene. scene. Uh Ooh. the Upright Citizens Brigade is proud Ooh. to present all my fantasy children this
1: Ooh. week. Uh woo. And now <laughs> scenes from a hat. <laughs> what? What is that? Wait. See, you don't know scenes from a hat? No like you've never watched whose line is it anyway oh i thought you meant meant it was like like the title of a play or like something
0: like and now masterpiece theater is proud to present scenes from a hat
1: i wish i feel like i feel like i would watch masterpiece theater presents like terrible whose line is it anyway improv games like i'd watch the hell out of that
0: oh absolutely like scenes from a hat So what we what we do every week is we take a listener prompt and create the greatest story of all time, a character, and we create a world one character at a time. Now, what we've been doing for 100-odd episodes is that, but we have a few episodes that are early on that we made. This is episode seven, and uh, we're going to talk about today because some of the early episodes, we established, like, very early world-building lore stuff. That kind of now doesn't really fit, doesn't really fit the tone. And so we're going to revisit it and kind of remold it in order to kind of make sense of everything. So we have a nice foundation to move forward with our lore of the world fantasy we've made.
1: Yes, this is sort of the second half, maybe part two of three of our sort of obelisk of lore series inspired by uh, a tweet that was sent to us that we kind of dug into last episode. We got through a chunk of it last episode. We're going to get through... Uh, We'll see if we'll see if we stick just to this episode or if like we can fit in time for sort of the rest of the story of fantasy to present. This Mm -hmm. will either be like a two or three part series depending. But once we're done with this, with the obelisks of lore, so to speak, we will have like really like a mapped out sort of big picture story that then we can kind of get back to our usual uh, goofums.
0: So I feel like this one, honestly, we can we can do in one because it's. It's very, like, uh, because Tiamat, episode seven, is the first one where we introduced things like elves, dwarves, Mm -hmm. other cultures, and, like, this world where we said in the episode, like, that they don't talk, and that, like, she experienced, like, to a certain extent, racism, which we've gotten rid of. But, Mm -hmm. like, that's an example of things that, like, we're moving away from, we need to rehash. But, like, we first brought in other cultures and how they have differences, in the era that... Anyway, we'll get there. Let's yeah. start at the very beginning of episode seven, Tia Matt. So, Let's do it. How this is going to work is I re-listened to the episode a while ago, and I took a bunch of notes and my ideas of how to adopt it into modern fantasy, and I'm going to pitch them to Jeff as we go along. And then we'll we'll break it down, we'll talk about them. So, the prompt is, from Space Case, Dragonkin Bard who wants to be an idol. We decided that Tia uh, Matt, na- a.k.a. Shock is a pop uh, a group idol. She's a bronze dragon. Um, she's part of a 10 Dragonkin idol group called Prism. Yep. So I said, an Ancient Dragon, society is driven by following your passion. Limited Spear is currently the ruler. Dragon pop groups are at war. It is beyond competitive, so much so that rival groups sabotage each other, start smear campaigns, and even clash with one another. I'm thinking of the game that we played um, at Pax Unplugged, uh, Rock Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of thing where like battles are settled with music, but it's also uh, and so things got so bad that they actually reached like at a battle of the bands. Like if you listen to the Lance Crossblade episode, we say that like there's a lot of contests, you know, we said skipping stones, competitive storytelling and even like fencing duels. So, if Battle of the Bands gets super competitive and out of hand, and this culture of like you know competition is spiraling and spiraling, I think eventually it led to actual conflict between groups. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. So, there's a battle that happens between Prism and a and a rival band. Do you want to name the rival band just for fun?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, their name is If you I had a ra- saw in the shop tools.
0: What kind? Of, they play jugs.
1: They play shop tools and like, industrial, industrial grindhouse like.
0: Ooh, baby! Sound
1: music. Ooh, baby! I play a paint can
0: where <laughs> I just sit there and I blow into a gigantic paint can. It doesn't make a good sound, but it's not about making a good sound. And that's why they clash with Prism because Prism is yeah. all about like Tia writes the music and the lyrics are like thought out and their choreography. The what is it? hacksaw and the shop tools Hacksaw and the shop tools is all about just like you just play whatever there's He's no fucking grind
1: you just yeah. grind and you smash and you scream it's <laughs> very <laughs> violent it's very like aggressive I like this. I There's like this. a lot of just like heavy reverb. Reverb is the experience they're going for, and I like
0: that. That makes them clash with like what we think of as a a, a traditional like band, like a pop mm-hmm. band. Of course, they're gonna battle. Britney Spears and fucking Guar can never get along.
1: Though, what if they could? Really, truly? Oh, Side, I wish. Sidebar. That's a that's a fucking
0: perfect world right there. That's the world I want to live in.
1: What a what a dream, really. That. Oh.
0: God, that would be so perfect if like the you know, like the screamy bands yeah. like went on tour with like Carly Ray Jepsen.
1: Oh, me, me am I everything. That's a story for another episode though. So Antia in the
0: battle is encased in ice. And we said that like she's kind of just swept up in the casualties. So she's she I don't think she's battling necessarily. I think she's being like a bard. Because we said she kind of sits in the back even in real life. During this time period, like, she writes all the songs, and she's not the face of the band. Right. We said that she's Chris from Pineapple Head, not Justin Timberlake. Sure, sure, so, sure. I think that even plays in the battle, where, like, she's buffing her friends, she's healing, you know, doing her thing. But it's like, guys, like, well, this is—she knows that this is stupid, I think. Okay. She's hip to the jive. So she gets encased in ice, hit by a breath attack, frozen solid,
1: and she's swept up as, like, another casualty. Can I cut in with this? Because I have some thoughts. Absolutely. Because, like— I was thinking about this, and I feel like there's a way we can take this from, like, from like with that in mind that she's encased in ice and eventually thawed. That kind of feels pretty effortless to kind of slot it into. What is it? The thing is, if we're going with the idea that she is encased living in ice, yes, she is not the only person in that time period in like ancient fantasy. Who would be encased in ice?
0: Who's the other one? A whole bunch of people, Aaron. Oh, wow. Oh, so this is okay. So you're saying this is like post nocturne
1: time? I'm saying this is like, this is happening around the time of the nocturne because what I want to say. Oh, chaos and bloodshed in the streets, you said. Sorry. Sorry right. I got what really I want to kind of say is in this battle of the bands, in this like, this battle, right? yes she fails she fails or she is like you know cast out essentially she is she is on her own the nocturne occurs and she like many other people is encased living in ice oh i like this so they're okay here's my pitch to you on that
0: they're battling somewhere out they're not in the city they yeah. like find a battleground. Dragon Ball Z style. They've yeah, gone out. They've, they've yes. gone
1: to a large canyon where there are no people, and the icy winds
0: start to blow. And like they're all kind of weakened and like exhausted from battle, so some people can't resist the ice. So like a lot of like they're swept up and they're frozen in
1: blocks of ice by this chill
0: wind. Can I throw uh, an
1: even bo- even? Can I throw an even wilder detail out there? Please do. She is the only one because she basically like in a moment of heroism gets everyone else to like leave. Oh, I dig this. It's like the winds are coming in, ice is freezing things, and you know, she everybody else is like there's the fight is still happening and she just basically is like no. Every, and like basically like shove starts shoving people and using her magic and her music abilities to like throw people like over ledges and tumbling down hills. And basically, like pushing people outside of the outside of this like gigantic gust of magical wind that encases her in ice. But in doing so, in sacrificing herself, saves the lives of hacksaw, the shop tools, and the rest of Prism. I love this. Can I give you a pitch on how she saves them?
0: Yes, because she is she's a lightning dragon. Yeah, I think that she creates. I think she. I like the myth of um, what is it? Prometheus gifts man with fire. Mm -hmm. So I think that she does something that keeps them warm and she gives it up. Like she gives them like a a bolt of lightning cracks and like provides a bonfire, but she can't stay near it and she gets frozen in ice, but she like gifts them with warmth in the middle of this winter storm and she's caught up like she's lost in the storm as a result. Love it. I love that. Okay. So I said that Tiamat is frozen in ice. She wakes up post battle of Iron Hill when Dragon is in the sky. Her mm-hmm. ice block floats to the sea of sorrow, which is what I named the place where Nymphaea dies in. That's what the, I guess they would name it. I, I, this sure, is from months cool. ago. I'm into that because I think isn't the sea of tranquility is on the moon, but I think uh, the sea of sorrow is a good name for fantasy because it's still yeah. Kind that's of a lunar. cool name. She's cool discovered name. by the times the uh, oh she is discovered by that times current head of the fathoms family because the Pascal Fathom's family they search they scour the seas of Moon Crescent for artifacts they always have makes sense so she's found by a rel- an ancestor of Pascal Fathom's and they kept her as a historical re- a relic to be preserved because we said she fall she wakes up in Moon Crescent in the city of yeah. the elves yeah 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 and the uh this is still in an era where like the cultures haven't like mixed and hung out yet so i'm thinking that like this is so this is what i wrote may i yes In a time where the world was scared, Arthur Lumina lay dead. The world is scared of another conflict. The cultures do not mingle. They do not cross paths. It simply hasn't happened before. So it's like she wakes up in this place and people are like, who are you? And, you know, it's the same story as from the episode where Tia plays music and, you know, people are like, what is this? She's like, oh, it's electronic dragon music. It's from this place called Dragon. I'm sure you've heard of it, you know. But it also adds a level of complexity for the new story where people have heard of what happened. Mm -hmm. They would be like, oh, you're a dragon. Like our leader, like our queen was essentially married to your queen. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have stuff in common. And I think that's where she like starts to thrive in dragon is like a musician. Aaron Aaron meant meant moon crescent Crescent. because it's like, oh, yeah, we, we know of your stuff. Like they're not completely unfamiliar with dragon culture because they know a little.
1: We also said that she woke up in a world that was changed and we established in the world the episode of Elk Orchard that like that change starts to happen and people start like a culture of we establish that a culture of of mutual aid starts to form in yes. the cold of the nocturne. Yes. So if she were to if she were to when her Isis to like when it when her body is recovered I don't even know know that she's necessarily kept as an artifact so much as You know, we have this society now has the tools to take care of that. So they're like, oh, my Mm. God, this is a person frozen in ice from the Nocturne. They thaw her out and now she is awake in a world in which people are caring for each other as opposed to kind of at each other's throats. I did. Which allows her to thrive as an artist because she's like. Oh, okay. Because these are the. This is what I was doing in the old, in, in in the before times, in the days before the nocturne. And they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And so that that culture that she starts to, you know, pioneer, yeah. is kind of already in flux and is ready it. for this new mo. Is ready for this new cultural moment. Okay, perfect. and she is a catalyst figure that sort of pushes it in a direction.
0: And I, I have exactly what I because we said that she creates the new prism with musicians from each culture. So yeah. we said she travels the world because no one's ever, like, hung out yet. You know, people, like, they care about each other, but it's still, like, not tense, but it's it's just starting. This yeah, new yeah, yeah. world is in, in. in.
1: It's in the early days of a new age.
0: So she gets an elf musician. She, you know, she travels, I think, to Geode, gets that. And I, I wrote that she recruits the best musicians from each culture and makes a super group. The five cultures perform at the Nexus Lake. And millions of people gather to see it. Like the entire world gathers to see this conf- yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's finally like you know. There's basically this Pied Piper traveling from city to city using a kitar, being like you know, follow me, and like you know, we'll we're bringing the world together. You know, yeah, you don't right. have to be afraid anymore. You know, every everyone from the olden time is gone. So. They perform at the Nexus Lake, friendships are made at the concert, and many people do not return home from the Nexus. Instead, setting out with their new friends to new cities and new frontiers. So that's where, like, if I were an elf and you were a dwarf, and we hung out and hit it off like we're best buds, I might move to fucking Geode now. You know, like, and that's where people start changing and moving to other cities. Because it's like, yeah, I'm going to follow my friends, or I'm going to follow this person I fell in love with at the Prism concert. Right. And it kind of like ignited a like a new time where like elves are living in Geode, like you know dwarves are living in Iron Hill, people are hanging out and like exchanging information and cultural things and kicking off this really like she brought the world together for this concert at Nexus.
1: Right yeah and I think that there's a detail that I want to add, because I know that eventually she gets a hold of the prism prison pendant, and I don't remember if that's when we established that a thing. but We I don't kind of know. Wanna...
0: We never said.
1: Good, because I want to drop it here. Hell yeah. If she's traveling from place to place, like, and and experiencing these things, and, and building this, like, gigantic group, I, th- I like the idea that she comes to Dragon, and, you know, someone somehow, like, gives her this thing... That is like valuable and is like, hey like you're carrying on the leg you know you are I think it's a gift oh absolutely. And I think it is a gift that is that is given to her by I'm not sure who but it is a gift to say like you like this was this was held by actually can I throw out something Aaron yeah I'm so I'm ready, ready very 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 ready because I had a realization as I was saying all of this okay I think she has to be given the pendant by lumina Dawnsbeer oh baby some like is it some jedi
0: dream type shit where like someone like is she mystical at this point because you said she like she descends
1: into the yeah she ascends into the
0: sky yeah, yeah she, she has like she's formless now
1: so i i kind of think it is mason almost here's act okay because i know what the next part of the story is okay and i i know and this actually segues perfectly into it okay because i was thinking about this and i have i have some fiction written here if that's all right with oh you. yes the day of the concert, moment be- moments before she takes the stage, after she has undertaken this journey and met with people and brought people together, she is met backstage by this formless figure that emerges from the mist, and it is Lumina Spear, who sits down with her and says, essentially, in-, in summary, that she is carrying on the legacy that the Five Jeweled Crown thought they were carrying on, albeit flawed and doomed. She is doing something new and it is important that she do it. And it's important that she do it at this moment to the best of her ability, which is beyond whatever she thought her abilities were. Here is a prism pendant. This pendant will make whatever you do best, make you so much better at it that you become akin to a God. Take this pendant and go and do your concert and change the world with your art In a way that you can, that you have the skill to now, but it will magically make the orc that you do that much stronger. It will make you as a musician that much more powerful. And it will make your message go out into the air that much clearer. So she is given this pendant. She's given this pendant. She doesn't really understand it, but she puts it around her neck. It's on a little necklace. And she goes out and she plays and her music is powerful and is earth-shaking and world-changing and is a siren song that the world rallies behind. And this is the moment where a portal opens up in time and space, correct? Yes, that is correct. It's at the concert where out comes a girl from Philly. And that, that is what it is, right? It is that this incredibly talented musician who already had the power to change the world through music is gifted an object that makes that power even stronger and even more, you know divine and 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 powerful in the same way that lumina Sphere had a loom that could change the world tia matt now has a kitar that can that channels the full power of the cosmos and the ley lines and every living being that is here rocking the fuck out and i think a cool detail is that what she's best at is bringing
0: people together mm-hmm. it's like making people feel good and like want to like you know come together to enjoy music and I think that was so powerful. Do you think it pulled Amy forward? or Because Amy dreams in dream spaces, right? Yeah. She travels. So do you think it like kind of, you know, when you change the path on a railroad track, it like mm-hmm. diverts the train. Do you think it pulled her toward Tia because it's like she's bringing people together even from like our world?
1: Yeah, I dig that. That's that's cool. And that's that, that you know, it it's channeled through her music, the power of bringing people together and of making connections and of, you know spreading love and joy and happiness is all channeled through this music that she's playing and it is so powerful that it conjures a dream space of a 26 year old android that is living in kensington philadelphia that in her dream in her dream space the robot known as amy that is am hyphen capital e uh is drawn towards this this concert this fantasy space right in her dreams she travels from world to world with the full power of you know the infinite computational mega mega computer in her brain she travels from world to world and she is eventually pulled into this other space right it is a as if a beacon is lit that all all roads will then lead to yes she is pulled through this portal and the you know the the crescendo note of this concert pulls this being from another dimension and she just crash lands tears up the entire stage you know, it is akin to a meteorite crashing into the concert, and that is sort of the ending beat of our, of our legendary Earth-Changing concert. I love this. And then after that, she kind of goes on to, we said, like,
0: found colleges. Like, I think she just kind of is, like, the leader the world has always needed, where it's mm-hmm. just this nice person that encourages, like, cultures to hang out. And yeah. someone cool from Philly
1: in our world would be like, yeah, totally, duh, we should, like, be nice. Yeah, right, the two of them... The two of them find that they share a lot of ideas about, like, life and love and art and the possibility of human connection, and so they fall in love. They fall madly, happily in love and travel the world changing things on a cultural level, you know, making the most of this cultural moment that is pushing towards love and togetherness. It is, you know, they are sort of the figureheads, the cultural figures of this moment of togetherness that the world rallies together around. I love it. And I love the fact that
0: kind of like we we talked about it before where it's like, is she the leader of Dragon? And like, I don't think so. I think it's I think she's kind of just this figurehead for everyone to look to where it's like. You know, it's more like uh, a ce- if a celebrity actually gave good leadership advice for like the entire planet, where it's like yeah. she's like her and Amy are just like that cool power. They're just a power couple, you know. Yeah. They're they're more than like the leader of one city. Every city is like, wow, they're they're coming to visit. Holy shit! And they come and they have like you know they have TED Talk type things and they chat about like how we can keep moving forward. And because every time T is around with the pendant. Everyone then feels better. Everyone's doing their best. She's kind of this, like, traveling, like, comet where every time it comes to your city, all of a sudden you have, like, a boom in business. You have a boom in, like, you know, everyone's happier. Everyone's doing their best. Everything is just better. And it's yeah. just this kind of cyclical thing where she travels from city to city
1: kind of helping out where she can and, like, you yeah, know, being there, there, a beacon of hope. Yeah, it, and it's great. And I think that's sort of the the crux of it, right? Is yeah, Absolutely. And I think she consciously rejects the idea of being a leader of any one place because she's like, no, I I don't want to – I don't want to lead. I don't want to be like a governor. I don't want to be a queen. I want to just – I want to help people and the way that I can do that is by helping people. Yeah. Like I, I – she wants to travel the world helping people. She doesn't want to – sit she doesn't want to like be in a, a governmental
0: figure yeah like she witnessed the five ju- that's the thing that's important about her is like she witnessed the mess of the five jeweled crown you know what i mean yeah. she was alive when the nocturne happened like she knew about the machine god and she knew about like Nymphea and all this stuff and so she's like oh yeah no we're actively never going back there mm-hmm. like don't worry everybody and this new fantasy where everybody's nice and everybody's forward-thinking and they're you know, friendly with each other, it gives rise to, like, what we know is, like, we refer to as modern fantasy where, yeah. you know, all sorts of cool stuff exists. Like, you know, one day we'll figure out, I think, where Samuel Gord, where Archibald fits in in Pure Aether Guild and things like that. But I think it's somewhere around this era where that kind of thing happens. But, like, yeah. pretty much, like, modern fantasy comes up. Everything that isn't in the past, like Wizard and Sam Gordon, Ansel and, you know, Big Jeremy being the ruler of Iron Hill, this is all, like, right now after Tiamat.
1: Yeah. yeah, and, and this is this fills out the rest of our timeline where suddenly all of these other stories and things are, are happening around, and, you know, I'm trying to think if there's any other major sort of lore things to cover now that we've covered the story of Tiamat, what the other sort of... I think—I feel like we're pretty much—I feel like everything else is kind of just an individual story yeah. that can be enjoyed under that context. Yes, there are things that have happened in
0: one of these times, because it's either the jewel—the five jewel crown, uh, the nocturne, like, you know, post-Nymphaea's death, and then, you know, the time of Tia coming to be. Yeah. All of these stories kind of fit into one of those, and then leading to the dark future. Yes. You know, um— but yeah, kind of everything that we've ever talked about has fallen into one of these spaces. Yeah. Um and it's not to say that like, you know, it's, it's my my the detail that I like about this is like T is really powerful encouraging people to do well. There's still bad people that exist. Oh yeah. And I like that because it there's, makes There's there's wizard. Yeah, there's wizard, there's like shitty elven houses. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, um there's Arcana dim day. Like there's all sorts of cool shit, but it's kind of because the fact that Tia stepped away from ruling and, like, being this queen figure means that people like Jen uh, Astral come to, like, be the archmage of Dragon and the librarian. And, like, things get better because there's spaces for more people to step up. Yeah. And that's my, that's my favorite thing about fantasy is, like, some of these people who are myths and leaders are just, like, normal people. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't pull swords from
1: stones. Yeah, so now what? What do you want to talk about? I mean, it can be a shorter one. I'm trying to think if there's any other lore stuff that a listener could need to know going, like, sitting down and to listen to, to an episode essentially at random. I think that I that's pretty much. so. Yeah, I think it's all covered because—oh, just real quick, I have questions to
0: ask you. Okay. Because I wrote the Celeste Silverna audio dramas, and yes. so I imagine—so I have a question. I have some things to pitch you. So yeah. Seraph the Carrion King we know has been uh, killed because I wrote— the um, Celeste Silverna audio dramas, and there's a lot of stuff about Ruin, and there's a lot of stuff about the Dark Apocalypse. So so the 5 Jewel Crown killed Serath the Karen King. They've been buried, I imagine, like shot with a beam or, you know, yeah, a, yeah, a great yeah. team attack, whatever. And I wrote that there's this well in Celeste's backyard that every day her parents have they draw from it and they drink it ceremoniously because that's just what they do. It's like part of their little culture and Ruin. Right. Because it's like one family on the prairie, I kind of imagine. And what that is for, I thought, was part of Sarath still remains and has like polluted this water source, kind of like there's just a seeping entity there of of order energy that's kind of like been growing over time. So in the future... Um, These people have been drinking from this well for so long that they've kind of become half order and half chaos energy as a family, but they still don't have magic. And eventually, Serath basically, or something new, some culmination of order, rises up and is so powerful and so terrifying that it's like no hero can touch them. It's beyond that. It's like a battle of gods, so much so that the five have to rise up from their spots in the ley line and like do battle with it at the nexus lake and that is why like the ley lines are wounded because they like used all of their power up to kind of like have this clash so now the dark apocalypse is like no magic way more order energy around more demons around than way before and just this kind of like it's a neutral zone kind of it's not right. chaos, it's not order, it's something else. And that's kind of what Celeste is as well. She has both in her, and it's why it's up to her. They give her the secret, which is that chest from Madame Mysteria. She gets a wand that can kind of draw the power of the five into it and shape it into, like, Maya' image. My thought is that she has to make ammo for, John, uh, for Jean-Pierre to fire back into the ley lines. Okay. Because if she can order chaos... That means she can, like, condense it, control it, shape it, is kind of my thought. And that makes the, sense. Yeah, and she powers that. Does that work for you?
1: Yeah, that, that, that makes there's, sense. There's that
0: work? This girl who— So, Michael, last question for you, kind of, just for fun, because that's kind of it. Like, you know, we that sums up literally everything that we've ever talked about in terms of
1: timeline. All right. Who is alive in the dark future? Are, is everyone dead who so we haven't mentioned? So let's cover the dark future. Now that we know how that is caused— yeah and sort of what it is, let's cover that, because I realize that's sort of the only other sort of lore thing that could be explained depending on the episode that you dive into. Because it's mysterious,
0: and that's how we, I know we like to keep it, so I want to keep things, like, kind of vague, because we right. know that there's there's parties going on. Like, there's different factions of kind of forming between
1: different groups of
0: episodes, you know? Yeah,
1: so let's, let's kind of lay out what that means. Okay. And we should probably also briefly cover, like, the D, de- like what a demon is, yes, and then I think that covers everything. Um, so a demon
0: is as we said in the last episode, Ether and Astra are a constant battle for each other for the material plane. Just yes. because Ether has crossed over into the material plane, become the five, become fantasy, become every single story, that doesn't mean that Astra is done trying. So I imagine Astra is in the cosmic plane slamming on the door to so so to speak to the material plane. And every time she does, it creates a rumble, it creates a ripple. Yeah. An energy of hers slips through and takes form that opposes uh ether. And so that would be a demon. So that's that's a demon in a nutshell. Yes. And so there's this world now where demons are roaming about, you know, it's your typical post apocalyptic. I think of it as sort of like a wasteland. The sky is like a deep crimson no matter what, or it's ripped and cracked. I see it like the crack, the sky is literally cracked and shattered. And like, you can see into the cosmic plane from it. It's just a mess. There's no magic. Um, and things are hard. Yes. And so the players that we know are John Pierre. Right. Magic dwarf, uh, set out with the lone star, a rifle that can fire energy, Back into the planet, uh the hearts of the ley line, which are mm-hmm. I guess located underneath of the cities.
1: Yeah, right. They're 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 in places that are left vague, but yeah. probably tied to that somehow. And he has to fire
0: the gun into it and jump start them, and that will eventually drain his life force. Yes. It will eventually he will he will literally give his life for the ley lines. So Delta Delta's there and they are hunting Jean Pierre, the ultimate warrior because Jean Pierre is like Hands down, like the most powerful person. Like, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? He's has all these crazy powers. We said he gets more powerful every ley line he kickstarts. starts. So Delta wants to see if Jean Pierre can kind of kill them. You know, it's yeah. like the ultimate clash type thing. Who else Rust is rust hands alive or is it just the Warforged?
1: Um, I think it's just the Warforged. Oh, the Warforged is the gun.
0: Yes, the Warforged right. becomes
1: the gun. Yes. So that's there's right. also Pascal Fathoms, who is immortal and is building is using uh knowledge of the past to sort of rebuild uh the present yep. or to re- rebuild the dark future and is using the fact that they are using their their knowledge of the of the of the past and their own immortality to sort of rebuild the present by basically like building 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 you know accomplishing as much as they can accomplish and then dying waking up again and running it again, basically like, you know, making a bunch of progress, dying, and then starting over. And so they're there building the future. There's also Crystal Grimm, who is a business person in the future. Uh, she is running her gigantic mech called the Necro Mech and fighting giant uh, ghost trains and sort of horrible demons and future monsters yes we yes because that's a whole nother that's an entire episode
0: we could talk about now because crystal Grimm is like fighting these poltergeists which are people who are taking ley line energy and like corrupting it it's it's just a mess but anyway
1: yes crystal Grimm is a mech pilot in the future yes and so that's kind of the dark future to answer your question i think it's far enough in the future that like most people that we've introduced like characters that are sort of in modern fantasy would all be dead but not necessarily like by the apocalypse yes they're just dead like they're just it's <laughs> yeah they just died died normal life like they lived and died normal like normal lives
0: can i give you something that i've been thinking about a person who's very much alive in the dark future yeah headless Seven. Oh, for sure i think he's this he's the person who like he just can't die you know, like, yeah. these nights just last forever, and he is, like, you know, it's kind of this, like, doomed night thing where they're kind of, like, you know, he ran from this battle, and now he has to see the world kind of burn out. You know, he's going to see it to the end. He can make it right, but it's, it's going to be a rough road. Can I add a detail to that? Oh, God, yes.
1: I think that the reason—I I don't even think it's that, like, they're designed to live forever. I think he's just too damn clever to die. Oh, I, I love think he that. just I think he just, you know— He's, and I think that it's not necessarily that he's trying to make it right. You know, Headless Seven has always just kind of been help the people around me and have fun doing it. Yeah. I kind of see him as a little bit of a John Constantine where he just sort of outwits death at every time, at every, you know. I love it so much. Everything that comes for him, whether it be old age sickness or a literal knife in the back, he just is like too clever and too, too witty and clever and too able to kind of counter it by half so i think that he is sort of out there but not actively contributing and maybe that's something that we can explore in an audio drama or an actual play down the road i would but love I think to oh my he's god he's just kind of out there i think he's kind of living the scoundrel life of like you ain't killed me yet yeah i, mean, I don't intend on i intend on being around to help the people in my direct vicinity and uh I'm having too much fun to die yet. To die to die yet. I love that
0: because he's a person of like the old world. Then, like he knows mm-hmm. everything, and he would he would probably have some cool deets on how to fix stuff. So yeah. love that. So now what? Do you want to wrap it there? It could be a short I think we're one. Pretty much wrapped. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's the Obelisk of Lore part two. Um, I loved it. This is great. I'd love to, uh, we'll have to do it again sometime, but when we have more lore to recap, I guess. 100. hundred, next run we'll do it, we'll visit it again in a hundred episodes. Yeah, in a hundred episodes, we will stare back into the obelisk of lore. Yes. Um, if you'd like to, we usually, we take a listener prompt to create the greatest story of all time. If you'd like to submit a prompt of your own for future use in an episode, what are you waiting for? There are a lot of ways to do it, and you should be using them.
1: You can tweet at us at amfc underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasychildren. You can uh, post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash children. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. Or you can post them to our Discord at bit.ly slash amfc discord. Or you can go to allmyfantasychildren.com. Yeah, there's, it's really easy. Just spam us with your ideas. Don't be
0: scared. Um, while you're on our website, check out our Wikipedia page, check out our band camp where I post all the music from the episode. Um, just feel free to jump into our discord and hang out with us. It's a
1: cool place for cool teens to hang out. Yeah, for um,
0: sure. Jeff has a second podcast that you need to be listening to.
1: I sure do. Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week I sit down with a friend, we play a two-player role-playing game, we have some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every Tuesday at dot com. yeah. All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. If you
0: like All My Fantasy Children, and I know you do... You should be listening to Arms of the Tide. Arms of the Tide is an actual play about fighting for what's right in an original magi- magi-technological world on the brink of catastrophe. Using the mutants in the night system. Join Quinn, Joe, Chanel, and John and revel in the laughs and gasp at the drama while the only things standing against the apocalypse are a robot with a fondness for stray cats, a wolf made of living plants with a bad case of depression, and a private eye who's so done with all of this. And I wrote the theme song for it, and it's fucking
1: dope. Um, and it's, and it's brand new. It's so if new. you wanted to, ch- if you wanted to like get in on the ground floor of an amazing actual play, like it's great. It's made by the people that made Swallows of the South, which yes. was extremely, extremely good. Um, I, you can't go wrong. It is, it is a brand new show and it is so, so it's going to be so, so special and it is already cool and worth your time. So go check it out. Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, uh, verbal hug this week. Ah, verbal hug this week. Hmm. Um, oh, don't ever judge. If you're, if you make something and you like, you know, jot stuff down, like I carry notebooks with me all the time and just any random idea I have about all my fantasy children I write down. I have like three notebooks filled with stuff that has never been used and probably never be used, but maybe you never know when it might come in handy. And like, don't, basically my thing is like, don't sell yourself short with like saying that like, well, this is junk. You know, it may be treasure later on because me re-listening to Tia Matt Probably six months ago has paid off and like helped a lot. So like, just don't be scared and enjoy the things that you make
1: and kind of you know don't devalue your work. Know that it has yeah, your, worth work it is, you your work because your work is good and val your work is good and valuable. So treasure that and treasure you know treasure the ideas you have, treasure the, the, the stuff that you do, whether it is writing, music, cooking, exercise, you know, good living, time spent with friends. The things that you do are powerful and wonderful and have a tangible value and make the world a better place. So do them. Do them well. Do them thoughtfully and do them to the best of your ability because it's hard out there. And we need all of the good. We need all of the good in the world that we can get. And the things that you do are good and we need them in the world. So do them. Do them well. Do them often and do them to fill your heart because they are powerful and good and have value. Boom. That's very good. Is that it? I think that's it. Hell I think yeah. that's a wrap. Boom. Until next time, good, good night and good, good game. game.